This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 129 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined by Brady and David and a special guest for this week, former Georgia State Associate AD slash Men's Basketball Sports Info Director, Mike Holmes. Welcome, Mike, to the podcast. Appreciate you guys having me. Long time listener, first time caller going on. <laughs> Very much. Yeah, welcome, Mike. Glad to have you on. Appreciate that. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get started with the burning question. I know everyone's dying to know after you've been so, so busy working and doing everything for the Georgia State Athletics Department for the past, what, 14 years? How have the early days post-retirement been? The, the early days have been great, um, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, I, I kind of thought I would get bored pretty quick. Um, it has not been the case. Um, I've had plenty of honeydew chores to catch up on around the house, but but also got to take the kids down on a little vacation down to be, uh, Cocoa Beach, Florida for a week when they were on spring break, um, which was a lot of fun. Got Went over to NASA, uh, took the kids to Disney World, um, and really just got to got to be a dad for a while, which honestly, when you're a basketball SID or, or really working in this profession, um, you don't get to be. You, you lose a lot of holidays and, and stuff like that, which which can be a good thing at times, um, you know, of the the stuff that we get to do. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But um, to just be dad and to, to not have an email with me or a computer with me, um, honestly, it was a great feeling. So if we're about three weeks in, um, as of this recording, and so far, I would say it's a success. Although I did, I noticed the MLB schedules didn't really do you any favors because I know you usually like to take in whenever the Mets come to town. And I don't think they come to Atlanta for a series until like July this year. No, you're exact. You're exactly right. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird just the way the schedule plays out, and then all of a sudden it's like July, August, and and uh, I think like the last week of September, first week of October. So, um, and I just missed spring training baseball when we were down in Florida with the the, the schedule going a little uh, later due to the lockout. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to wait wait a couple more months to see my Mets. But so far, uh, we're off to a pretty good start. But I don't think you guys want to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry, we don't we don't check the standings till Memorial Day. That's the rule around these parts. Yeah, hey, exactly. We're good. Hey, as as Charlie Cobb, our director of athletics, was texting with me last night, um, the Mets are known for being a great start team. But let's get back to June first, and then we'll see how they do after that. I was like, you know, you couldn't just let me enjoy the success we're having so far. You really had to just dampen it, and, and he did a good job of that last night. <laughs> kind of working backwards in timeline, you know. Obviously, right when the news you know was breaking from you personally that you were going to move. Moving on from your role, uh, Georgia State had a coaching search open up in men's basketball. I'm just wondering what the difference was this time when you were basically out the door versus any other coaching searches. But especially, you know, the last one with Coach Hunter leaving, it was there was a lot going on in that situation. No, you're exactly right, and a, and a lot does go on um, behind the scenes, and I don't think people always kind of realize um, all that goes into it because it's also a, a period where, um, although it may seem publicly that there's not a lot going on. Um, there's obviously a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and then really the 40, we'll say 24 to 36 hours, um, leading up to an announcement like that. Um, it, it's, it's basically a nonstop whirlwind. Um, and that's obviously was the case, um, most recently for me with coach Lanier. Um, but then obviously the stuff, um, with coach Hayes coming on, um, even though I was gone, obviously I, I definitely answered some phone calls to some people and, um, was more than glad to assist, um, 
you know, with Allison and um, everybody on staff, Brian Kelly and, 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 and those, you know, those people that helped put in press conference on and everything else. Um, because that's the one thing I will, I'll definitely want to say about this of, you know, I left Georgia state on great terms. Um, I love that place. I was, so I'm a proud two-time grad, as you guys know. Um, so I've told people, you know, if, if you need to call me, call me, don't, don't apologize for it. Um, I want to see Georgia state continue to do well. I just want to do it from sitting in the stands and maybe having an adult beverage and, and joining the games from, you know, this time forward. Um, so, you know, so, so really it, it, to get back to your question though, um, it really is the thing that starts to go quick. And obviously, to even take a step back, everything that happened with, with Coach Lanier um, honestly went really quick. Uh, I know you, Brady, you and I talked about it, of, of how it kind of broke on a Friday night. Um, it was probably about 9, 30, 10 o'clock when it broke, and it seemed like the, real, the, the world didn't really, really realize it until the next morning. Um, that's just kind of how that all played out. And so it kind of goes back to what my job is or job was that it truly has become in this day and age, 24, seven, 365. Um, and for a long time, that's where my priority was. And I loved it and loved every minute of it. Um, but you also then get to a point where you start to see that your priorities change a little bit. Um, and you don't want to necessarily be on 24, seven, 365. Um, but I'm glad to see, you know, to, to see what happened to Georgia state. Obviously great respect for coach Lanier. Um, and all the staff that have gone out there and, and I've gotten to talk to all of them since they've left and uh, I'm real happy for them. Um, obviously glad to see Jarvis, uh, will be able to stay around. Um, I've gotten to meet Jonas probably two or three times, um, the last couple of years, mostly during the off season when he was coming through Atlanta, um, recruiting and would stop in to see his brother. And, um, I have nothing, you know, it's, it seems like an absolute perfect fit and perfect hire. So I'm excited to see where that continues and, and, and can see how he continues to grow the program. Um, just like Coach Hunter and Coach Lanier have been able to do over the last 10 years. Uh, hey, Mike, you know, you said you mentioned about how the job is a, uh, you know, 24-7, 365 type of gig. But, you know, what would you say was, you know, one of the most unique aspects of the job, you know, specifically for a school like Georgia State? You know, obviously, Atlanta is kind of a hotbed for sports. And, you know, you've been there through this, you know, creation of a football program and, you know, I, I guess it's easy to say the escalation of a basketball program to heights that the university hasn't ever seen before. So, you know, what would you say has been the most unique aspect of the job um, that you were there for? You know, I think the most unique and maybe challenging thing that I would say is that obviously we are trying to continue to grow Georgia state to the statue statue of those others. We look at it in the state you know, the University of Georgia and Georgia Tech. Um, both of those programs, we'll just go from a football perspective to start off with, have got a 100-year start on us. So unless they were to both stop playing football tomorrow and we kept playing for the next 100 years, we're never catching up to them from that perspective. Now, there's other ways we can catch up to them, and I think we will. Um, you know, so, so from my perspective, the way I was always trying to handle our communications office, was trying to do the exact same things that you see at Georgia and Georgia Tech. The biggest challenge for us there is obviously Georgia and Georgia Tech have a lot more of the financial resources, a lot more of the history, traditions. Um, and so as much as we try and put the hours in and, and time and effort, um, it's a hard thing to do. Um, you guys even saw it um, as being members of the band. You know, even when you guys came in a few years 
you know, even after the start, we were still building traditions. The band was still building traditions. The band's still going to be building traditions. Um, and so that, those are the types, those were the biggest challenges that we faced because I didn't want us to ever look like second tier to either one of those two programs. Um, but you also at some point have to kind of take a step back and go, all right, there's only 24 hours in a day. Um, there's only so much we can do, um, so much you know, financial resources we can back behind it. Um, and so it makes it a challenge. But I do like to, I would like to say though that where we've come since 2008, when Coach Curry has famously talked about having a desk and a phone, to where we are now, what Coach Elliott has continued to build, I, I think we've made some pretty good steps. I don't think anybody at Georgia State is sitting around on, on their laurels right now going, hey, we've reached the top and we're, we're good. Um, I think they're going to keep building. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody here that's on this or anybody that's listening knows what 10 years from now has, 20 years, 50 years. What I have thought was cool of what I've gotten to do is if I was at a Georgia or an Auburn or a Clemson, the foundation is set. They just keep, you know, building on to the houses and stuff. Over the last 13 years of football, we truly have laid the foundation. And I think we've put up some walls, um, but I don't think the house is anywhere near complete. I think Charlie Cobb and, and, and President Blake and President Becker before him would probably all agree with it. There's still a lot of stuff that we want to do um, in the future, and I think that's going to happen. And taking it all the way back, I guess, to when you started, I know you worked some time at the, uh, what, the A-Sun? Mm-hmm. I guess what ended up making you want to get into the college athletics communication side, end up getting into being a sports information director and doing all that you did, rising up eventually mm-hmm. to associate AD. Yeah. So, you know, it all goes back to, to when I decided I pull, I like to joke, I pulled the division three trifecta of, I got into Georgia, Georgia tech and Georgia state. Um, and I ended up coming to Georgia state and it, and the reason for it was I loved the big city atmosphere and everything that went along with it. Um, anybody that knows my background, I grew up about 25 minutes outside of New York City um, and moved down to Georgia um, when I was in ninth grade. So I loved that big city vibe. And, and Georgia State offered it at that time, but still offers it, obviously. Um, from the sports information side, I had done a bunch of stuff in high school, working with our basketball team. Uh, I played golf and, and tennis in high school, but then I kind of was a stat guy, manager, assist- almost took on like an assistant coach role um, in high school. So I loved basketball. I knew I loved college basketball as well. So when I got to Georgia State, it just so happened that um, my mom worked with the wife of the associate AD at the time, Martin Harmon. And so um, I made a call to Martin because email really did, wasn't a thing back then. No age jokes. Um, and said, hey, you know, I'd love to, you know, work games or do whatever. Um, and he said, hey, come on in and we'll talk and we'll figure it out. Well, the first event that I ever worked, and I didn't know if it was going to lead to anything was a uh, Georgia State basketball game. It was Georgia State against Georgetown in the Georgia Dome in front of 10,000 people, uh, which was a legitimate crowd. Um, and I sat next to John Thompson the whole game on the end, end of the scorer's table. And I just went, man, this is pretty cool. Um, and so it kind of grew from there. And so um, by the time I was a senior, uh, former assistant AD, Charlie Taylor, actually had offered me a full-time job that I turned down. Um, because I still wanted to just be a student and, and have some fun, but I really enjoyed everything that I was doing. Um, and then as you mentioned, I, I kind of got out of the business for about five years, um, worked, worked at the Atlantic Sun as my first kind of real full-time job, um, and then got a call from Charlie Taylor 
uh, probably about July of 2008, um, as football was getting going, uh, football had been launched that April and they had an opening and, and, and if, if in, in full transparency, I never wanted Georgia state to have a football team and I'm a diehard college football fan. And people say, well, just why? And the reason was at the time I was still concerned that if, if we had a football team, if it was going to be done right. Because other than the, the lefty Giselle years, financially, Georgia State was in a bit of a tough spot, uh, just raising money and everything else from a budgetary standpoint. The minute I heard Bill Curry was behind it, I knew it was a no-brainer. Because I knew from everything I knew about Coach Curry that he would not allow it to be a joke. That he would take it, you know, that he was going to take it seriously and he was going to truly build a program that we could all be proud of. Um, so, yeah, so I came back in August of 2008. Um, 13 and a half years later, um, it was, it, it was above and beyond anything I could have ever dreamed. Um, you know, I think if you had told me I was going to make one NCAA tournament in basketball, I probably would have been happy just knowing the history of George state prior to 2008. Um, if you had told me we'd made one bowl game, I probably would have smiled and been pretty, all right, that's pretty cool. Um, if you had told me maybe one of the places that Georgia state would have taken me from a travel perspective, I would have been like, Hey, that's cool. If you total it all up, obviously four NCAA tournaments in, in what is it, seven, seven NCAA tournament happenings, um, all the bowl games. I've traveled to 40 states, six countries, all basically, on, you know, I, I say somebody else's dime to put it nicely, but um, it's really for somebody who is a sports nut, and I am, and it drives my wife absolutely crazy. Um, I truly got to experience everything, and it was, it was more fun than anything I could ever have dreamt of. I want to ask specifically about that first football game. Um, I'm huh? assuming you were there at that game, correct? Okay. Yep. Um, so I came into the program. Um, I'm a little bit younger than the other guys associated with the podcast. Um, I graduated high no school. No age jokes. Yes, no <laughs> age jokes. Um, <laughs> I graduated high school in 2014. So, you know, being in the band, I always got this sort of uh this mystical vibe to the first game just you know being at the georgia dome and i wanted to get your experience from it just you know working on you know the information side and just to hear you know what was it like to be at the georgia dome for georgia state football for that first time it was absolutely crazy um it's probably the best way to put it um from from a communication staff um i was fortunate um, Allison George, who's obviously still on the Georgia state staff has got, I mean, now she's had probably 35 years of football experience between Georgia state and Georgia tech. Um, Charlie Taylor, who'd been on staff had had 30 years in the NFL. Um, so, so, so they knew football in 2009, I actually went over and spent a couple games at Georgia tech, um, just to kind of see how the behind the scenes stuff. Um, really worked. I was, I knew plenty about college football and had been to plenty of college football games. Um, but really what it looked like behind the scenes. So from, from a communication side, we felt good. Um, leading into the week, I think most people were thinking crowd wise, you know, 12, 13, 14,000 would be great. You know, um, there was obviously a buzz and excitement on campus. And then it was a Thursday night kick. So probably on Tuesday, I started hearing like numbers like 20,000. I'm like, nah, that can't be. You know, somebody's, that's not really going to happen. 
then by Wednesday, it was like 25,000. I'm going, there's no, you know, and then by, I mean, by Thursday, it was complete pandemonium um, to the point that anybody who was there knows from a student perspective, we actually had to open the upper deck, which was not planned at all. And this was, I mean, we had, you know, a great staff of, of really planning out and prepping um, this stuff. But all of a sudden, I mean, the buzz truly did overtake Atlanta. I mean, you saw Georgia State outdraw the Braves that night, and the Braves were in playoff contention. Um, so um, all of that kind of went along with it. And then to just to be standing out on the field, um, and I was, I was in charge of the media on the field um, for those first handful of years. Um, the buzz and the excitement on the field um, was, was tenfold anything that I ever could have dreamed of or planned of. Um, you know, we had the full press box. I mean, it, we truly did own the city of Atlanta that night. Um, and it was just, it was so much fun. Um, so rewarding, um, you know, two and a half years of just hard work, um, that, that just all added up. Um, I, I couldn't have asked for anything more. And kind of switching over to, I guess, one of your main hats, which is, having been sports information director for men's basketball, you were there. The fateful hire was made. Ron Hunter comes in from IUPUI. And, you know, I think any of us, the first couple of times we saw RJ Hunter knew he was probably going to be pretty good. First time we saw Ryan Harrow, I think we could tell that guy was going to be able to play, but like more low key, more like, because you had the front row seat. Were there any moments early on where you could really tell that like he was the guy that was going to bring Georgia State basketball to honestly where it's stayed, where it's been the last decade? Yeah, I mean, if you, I think I can sum it up this way, in that I always kind of had a rule. Rules might be a little bit strong, but when freshmen would come into campus in June, um, when men's basketball reported back, um, very rarely during the summer would I allow freshmen um, to do media interviews just for the summer. Just and it was it was more just let them get acclimated to Georgia State, um, you know just truly understand what Georgia state was getting out of campus, um, especially for the guys who weren't from Atlanta to, you know, kind of just get comfortable um, and just give them a couple months to, to settle in. Um, within a week of practice beginning, I was more comfortable with RJ Hunter doing interviews than Ron Hunter doing interviews. Um, <laughs> because, you know, RJ had been trained for this his entire life. Um, you know, he had done start doing media stuff. Um, and, and working with, prof- with, with media professionals when he was in seventh grade. Um, he understood it. He, he knew what it was. Um, and then, obviously, everybody on campus loved him um, and figured it out real quick. Um, so, I mean, I think that, that told me everything I needed to know about him. And, and I truly did. I ran with him. And, and to this day, I thank him for three of the greatest years of my life. Um, I am very much one that when a season ends – um, you know, I, it stinks, you know, but, it, but it is what it is. And you, and you move on and you get ready for the next year. Um, when we lost that game to Lafayette, to Louisiana Lafayette in overtime, um, RJ's sophomore year, um, I've never been a part of a locker room that hurts so bad. And it was hard for me to even ask that anybody in that room to go to a press conference. Um, because I know how much effort they had put into it and just not even just the effort of what you guys would see on the court, but the effort behind the scenes and everything that went into that season. Um, 
And so I knew right then and there, like literally when we walked off that court that night after we lost, I knew the next year we were going to be in NCAA tournament. And I, everything I did from that day forward, I planned on because I knew there was no way they weren't going to allow it to happen. And you saw it. Two weeks afterwards, the work that they put in, um, it is very similar to what you guys just saw this past year with guys like Kane and Corey. Um, the effort after the disappointment of last year, what they put forth, um, it happened with that same team. And then you saw what happened the next year. Um, you know, I don't know if that win over Baylor happens if we don't lose to Lafayette. Um, so it just it, it showed the type of guys that those players were publicly maybe for the first time. Um, and, and honestly, that run the following year was, was maybe the most fun I've ever had. Yeah, pulling back the curtain a little bit, I just wanted to give you credit that this past year, I distinctly remember one conversation on the floor of the sports arena after a game. It might have been the, scene, the last game after, against Louisiana. You called the shot. You said, this is going to happen in the tournament. They're going to cut down the nets, and it's going to happen. And it happened exactly as you laid it out. So just, while you're on the, the podcast, I wanted to give you full credit for being Babe Ruth there. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Every once in a while, I, I've gotten lucky over the years because trust me, plenty of my predictions have gone south, including the one that I said in 2010, we were going to beat Alabama in the final game of the season. Um, thankfully, Albert Wilson at least got us on the board, so I didn't look like a complete idiot. It was close, right? You know, that's uh, the, we won't talk about their <laughs> score. Georgia State scored seven, so that's, you know, yep. they only scored eight. And, you know, you, t- you asked me about earlier, the, the, you know, that, that first game in school history, being on the sideline for the Alabama game um, when Albert ran that touchdown back 97 yards, you probably would have thought we had won the national championship. Um, it was the craziest scene I have ever been a part of for scoring a touchdown and then being down 42 to seven. Ah, oh, see, there you go. You gave up the gambit. <laughs> but, you know, you, you talk about travel. You know, what are some of your favorite places that Georgia State has taken you? Um, like, obviously, they went to Jacksonville for the RJ shot. You know, they just – I don't know if you got a chance to travel to um, the NCAA tournament this year. But, you know, just where where has this university sent you around the world? How long you guys got? Because <laughs> it's been everywhere. Um I'll keep it to about three because um, really I have, I mean, I've been to about 40 States and six countries, I think it's six countries, five or six countries, Georgia state over the years um, from a basketball perspective, Jacksonville was bitter, w- was even sweeter for me, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, Cause before I came back to Georgia state, I moved to Jacksonville and I had a sports photography company with a buddy of mine down there. Um, and so I knew everybody working the tournament um, obviously it had been our first time back in 14 years. And I had been, I was out in Boise in 2001, um, when we beat Wisconsin. Um, so being back there and just being able to see so many people who I've been close to the three years that I lived down there, um, all the support, obviously all the support from the Georgia state people, cause it was only about a five hour drive, um, to get down there. I mean, it was truly, uh, an incredibly special week. Um, and I, I really tried to soak it all in. Um, best trip overall with basketball. Um, but ironically, is maybe now one of the reasons why I got out of this whole thing um, was the trip down to the Cayman Islands a few years ago. Um, obviously, the win over Georgia um, w- was pretty cool and pretty special. Not going to lie about that. And I don't think we'll see Georgia on the on on the schedule uh, for a long time after that one. To be perfectly honest, 
Um, but you know, how cool is when you wake up Thanksgiving morning and even though you're on the road and traveling and, and, and that's part of this whole thing where you're scuba diving or excuse me, snorkeling and paddle boring, paddle boarding at nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, you don't get to do that with a whole lot of other things. Um, so, you know, stuff like that. I mean, uh, I've been out to Hawaii with the men's golf team, um, which is really cool. Um, you know, I've been all over the place and even recently, you know, a couple trips to California and, um, I mean, you know, throwing the games at Duke. I mean, that, as, as a college basketball fan, um, you can't ask for, 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 you know, the, those big time marquee games, um, were always the ones I lived for. Um, and we had a pretty good record, you know, the last handful of years, um, in games like that, you know, the win over Alabama, um, still holds a pretty good spot in my heart, even though, you know, it's only going to Tuscaloosa. But, you know, I kind of looked at those, you know, the, who you got to play and who, you, you know, what you got to do. Um, you know, I was fortunate to be a part of three Samaritan's feet trips with Coach Hunter um, to the Dominican Republic, Costa Rica. Uh, and then the most recent one was over to Spain. Um, and that's stuff that, honestly, I wish, in no way do I think our country here is perfect by any, by any stretch. But I wish people were almost forced to go see how things were elsewhere sometimes to appreciate what we do have here. Um, because I, I think it kind of puts some things in perspective. Um, and so to be able to do three of those trips, um, especially the one in the Dominican Republic, I mean, that we saw a poverty of like you don't necessarily see here in the United States. Um, and so, you know, maybe that was a little more of a somber trip, um, but it was still something that, that, to be a part of that, um, and as somebody who had, hadn't done a whole lot of maybe volunteering and, and stuff along those lines before, it really left a mark. Um, and it'll be things that I, that I remember for the rest of my life. I guess kind of flip into, you know, obviously the shot with RJ, big moment to never forget, you know, 34-7 win at Georgia Southern to get the first bowl game. Mm -hmm. I guess, are there any, like, more minor seeming games that like you remember as real fond memories that maybe to the, the outsider might not be that big of a deal, but that you have strong memories from. Oh yeah. Um, well, first I'll make, I'll make you all laugh. Um, and Brady, you and I, I think have talked about this maybe before. Um, I actually don't remember the shot. Like legitimately, I remember everything about that game. It was like, I blacked out for three seconds. Um, and the only thing I remember leading up to it, um, the way they works at the NCAA tournament is your fellow SID is sitting right next to you. Um, and Baylor's SID was a super great guy. And we've stayed in touch um, all these years. And actually, you know, obviously then they, they won the championship. Um, I remember TJ coming down with the rebound and me literally sitting on my hands to make sure that if we hit the shot, that I didn't jump up and make it complete fool of myself on national television and coach Hunter took care of that by falling off the stool for me. So we were good. But so I legitimately don't remember, remember actually the ball going in. And I've even went back and I've watched it a million times, just like everybody else has. It's Georgia state fan. And I see myself sitting there and I honestly don't remember anything about it. The next thing I remember is having to grab my stuff and get across the court to get them on the interview with CBS. Um, but to then directly answer your question, some of the smaller ones, going back a long ways. Um, actually, you guys, this might have been when you guys were at Georgia State. Um, Rashad Richardson 
hit a half court mm-hmm. uh, shot to beat Tennessee State, and we were hosting. I think it was coaches versus cancer. Um, it was a tournament right? Before, it was right before Thanksgiving, um, and the place just went bonkers. You know, students charged the court, and um, that it was that was a lot of fun. That was one that I really remember. That play ended up being, I think, number two on Sports Center that night. Mm-hmm. Um, that was obviously special. Um, you know, I remember uh, a bunch of guys, actually, a bunch of members of the band coming down to Troy when RJ scored his thousandth point. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of that night kind of stunk. I got on uh, TV in that one. <laughs> you did That's like the the sad Georgia State fan when it was like under ten seconds to go. Yeah, and that was the only loss of the season, um, conference loss of the season. Uh, so maybe that part didn't go great, but but you know that type of stuff. Um, obviously, the one that's more recent for that some fans may remember from a basketball perspective was that Alabama game. Um, I we were I, there for that one. I don't know if all three of us were, but I'm pretty sure we were. I think all three of us made it into yeah, I drove. the Coliseum too. I think I drove. I <laughs> honestly say when we were down 22 points, that for some ridiculous reason in the back of my head, I still thought we were going to win. Like, there's been games where we're losing, we've been losing. And at halftime, I go, all right, I'm just going to start writing the story because there's some vibe, there's some feel that I just go, you know, it, it, and it's maybe only been a 10-point deficit. I just go, yeah, we're not, we're not winning tonight. Something's just, you know, guys are off, whatever. For some reason, I sat there going, I think we're going to win this, which is just ridiculous. It's, it's almost as ridiculous as saying we we're going to beat Alabama in football in 2010. Um, and then the comeback started and just kept going and going. And you could see it in the guys' faces. And we had a, a, obviously an older group um, with Malik Ben-Levy and Jeff Thomas and um, DeMarcus Simons, Devin Mitchell. Um, and that was really Devin's first game back, too. Uh, a lot of people had forgotten that he missed the first seven games, I think, of that season um, dealing with an injury. And he wanted to be on the court so bad for that game he couldn't see straight. Um, I, I think he, he would have walked out there and played in a boot if uh, Danica had made him, um, he was getting, he was getting out there. Um, so, you know, those ones were special. Obviously, I mean, the, the one that I referenced earlier, the, the win over Georgia um, and, and the way we did it, um, especially after the night before we got just absolutely manhandled um, by Creighton. I mean, it was, that was maybe one of the worst games that I was a part of in 13 and a half years, to be honest. Um, and so as soon as we knew we were playing Georgia, you could just see the, the switch flip um, and the guys were ready to go. Um, yeah, I think if he had taken 100 threes that game, Malik was going to be 99 of 100. Like he was locked in like no one else on that day. Yeah. I think he hit nine threes, something like that. Yeah, I, I think it was seven maybe. But yeah, you're, I yeah. mean, I couldn't miss and just um, – it was truly one of those games, you know, you sometimes hear about those games where it's like guys felt like, you know, well, man, why did George never recruit me or whatever the case was, whether those guys wanted to have been recruited by George or not, it was almost kind of like they, they, they didn't need any extra motivation. I mean, you could just see it. Um, and, and they were locked in like I've never seen them before. And obviously we saw what the result was. Uh, so I'd say all, you know, all of those. And then, I mean, yeah, there are some of those smaller, you know, I want to say smaller games, but, less visible games. I mean, the trip out to Montana, um, even though we didn't win the game, was just cool because I'll be honest, I don't know that I'd ever go to Montana if, if it wasn't for, for Georgia State basketball. Um, you know, stuff like that. And then, I mean, there were so many trips where it's just, 
part of the reason I love traveling was I would get to be, you know, hang and get to know more about the guys, which I think allowed me to do my job better. Um, and obviously COVID kind of hurt that a little bit the last two years. Um, and it was kind of, and kind of made my job a little tougher. Um, I was home more, which was, which was, you know, I guess kind of good, but, um, it just wasn't the same. And that's even one of the things I told coach on the year after, after he, he announced that he was leaving for SMU. Um, when I was thanking him was just that, you know, he was with us for three years. Well, you know, it usually takes a year, year and a half to kind of for an SID and a head coach to kind of get on the same page or just how they like things and what they need and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, by the time we almost got close to that, we we're, everything was getting shut down. Um, heck, it wasn't even that before that point, everything was starting to get shut down. So, um, you know, I didn't maybe have as many of those moments the last couple of years, but, but then to finish things off in Portland, um, and the way Georgia state and our basketball program represented itself, um, giving Gonzaga everything they could handle and more for 30 plus minutes. Um, to me was kind of like the perfect culmination, um, of everything from, you know, the previous 13 and a half years. I get that. And I, I want to just backtrack to something that you said. I do have to shout out Brady because that same sentiment you had about Alabama, Brady looked at me at that game and had the exact same thought. And I will be honest, I didn't believe it, but it obviously happened. So I got to give him some yeah, credit for that. Part of that was, I think we got there pretty late in the first half. Like I think we went, went somewhere for food for that game and then just mm-hmm. lost track of time. And it was a lot more of a walk than we thought it was going to be. And I don't like being late to sporting events at all. It's one of my pet peeves. Like uh, I have to be there, you know, well before I'm going to a baseball game to check out a, the park or whatever. And with basketball, it's the same where I like to be set up. I don't want to miss anything. And um, maybe that it has been helped doing media stuff. Like it, it, it feeds into that where I'm definitely there early, but I'm glad you mentioned the Alabama game because, you know, that's like the moment a guy like Malik Ben-Levy had where he hit the game-winning shot. And, you know, for a guy like that who, you know, DeMarcus was the quote-unquote leaders of those te- leader of those teams. And there's a lot of those guys that did a lot of this good work and maybe never got the singular moment like that. So I was glad personally Malik got that game-winning shot in that game. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that 100%. And because it goes back to, I mean, he was the type of student athlete that, that SIDs love and that he'd always answer the phone was great with the media. Um, and, and he truly did get to have, I mean, that was, it, it couldn't have happened for anybody better that night. I guess, I guess I, the Cinderella story might've been if, if Devin had hit it, obviously from him playing at Alabama. Um, so we'll take the second best option, um, uh, which was Malik knocking it down. And, um, now that I'm out of the business, to, I can kind of a little bit of, you know, obviously the, the color analyst that night was just kind of going, oh, you know, they're waiting too long and, you know, it's not going to work out and all this kind of stuff. And, well, yeah. It's nine we seconds, guys. Push it to the basket. <laughs> Same thing kind of yeah. happened in the tournament. So, um, fortunately, I've gotten to work with Steve a couple more times after that, including the NCAA tournament um, this year. Out, out in Portland, and I've I've given him just a little bit of fun grief behind the scenes for that one. Of hey, you know, we knew what we were doing right. You know, take a thirty foot three pointer. Why not to win the game? Yeah. Plus, Devin got his crazy, ridiculous moment in that Sun Belt tournament against Southern that year, anyways. So, speaking of things that I would like to believe um, had never happened, that's probably number one on the list um, to this day. That is something I have not because he was. Anybody that saw it, literally, obviously, it was right in front of our bench. Coach Hunter was sitting right in front of it. I'm sitting right next to Coach Hunter. 
And I just turn and throw it up. And I'm like, what the, and then it went in and I was like, is that going to count? Like, did he, there was nobody had a clue what was going on to this day. I don't think, well, obviously Devin, I still don't think knows really what was going on other than he thought that there was only one or two seconds left on the shot clock. But Hey, sometimes when you're having a magical season, those are the types of things that just happen. Better to be lucky than good, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So let's go ahead and move on into some listener questions from uh, our listeners here on the internet. Uh, GSU golf coach Chad Wilson asks, now that he spent many years <laughs> performing some of the best SID work you'll find, I'm curious to hear what other job inside of an athletics department would Mike like to have and why? Also, it can't be golf coach. <laughs> well, the good thing for Coach Wilson is I've already gone the golf coach route. Um, and did have a blast doing it, I should say. Um, for those who don't know, my first year in grad school, I was actually assistant golf coach at Georgia State um, for the men's team. Um, we were ranked top 40 in the country at the time, and um, we had a really good team, a really good program back then, as they've continued to have. Um, so, Coach Wilson, if you're listening, you don't have to worry. I'm not coming for your job. Um, thankfully, he, he helps with golf lessons for my son every summer. So I, I got to make sure he stays employed in, in Atlanta. So I won't come after that one. Um, I truly, truly doubt that I will ever get back into college athletics. Um, I, I think I, I think it has run its course. Um, I've had a ton of fun, as, as, as we've talked about. Um, don't fully know what's next, and that's kind of the beauty of all of this right now. I may go back you know, into, into the corporate world and you, know, you work your normal 40-hour-a-week job. Um, might go the, you know, just kind of freelancer gig and, and pick up some gigs here and there and, um, do some of that stuff or maybe just try to work something in the golf industry, but it definitely won't be in college athletics. So we have a listener from panthertalk.com who would like to know, uh, your opinion on strengths and areas of improvement for the athletic department. And where do you see Georgia state growing in the future? Um, Obviously, from a strengths perspective is, is what has been known for us now for years. And if you look at the conference um, movements um, over the last 20 years is the city of Atlanta. Um, you know, we're in the seventh biggest media market in the country. Um, we're in the college football capital of the world. Um, you know, we have a, a, a facility base that is finally starting to grow, um, as you've seen with the whole athletics neighborhood coming online. Um, the football stadium and uh, the convocation center, which will obviously open this summer and everybody's, you know, seen more and more photos of, and I, I think is excited about um, beyond what, what some may believe baseball and softball will hopefully be, you know, getting things going sooner than later. Um, and even though I know obviously a lot of people would like to have seen that already happen. Um, I'll commend Charlie Cobb on the fact that he hasn't gone out and, and just spent money that Georgia state doesn't have. Um, we saw it. We, we still see it at plenty of other schools around the country. And that's why they got in so much trouble during the pandemic. Um, whereas Charlie had been smart about the budget and, and continues to be smart about the budget. And we survived it. I mean, as, as close to unscathed as you can get through a pandemic, I believe. Um, you know, so I think all that stuff's going to continue to grow. I think, I think we often forget that the football program hasn't even entered teenage year status quite yet. Um, so as, as they continue to win games and coach Elliott continues to win games, um, 
I think that's just going to continue to grow the fan base. I think we're already seeing where more students are becoming quote unquote traditional students um, at Georgia state and living on campus or living around the dorms and apartments on campus. I think that will continue to help um, fulfill all that, you know, kind of get those things going. And, and, and the more students that come in and don't necessarily know about the, the, the tough years, you know, the losing, some of those losing seasons where we want one, one game or didn't win any games. Um, I think all of that will help. From a weakness perspective, um, you know, obviously the finances part of it is, is a huge part of it. We've got to continue to figure out ways to engage a fan base that many of which would rather go spend a weekend in Athens or Auburn or Clemson um, and come to one football game a year because they grew up as fans of Georgia or Clemson or Auburn. Um, I think that's going to be a battle that, that, that might, take for, might take a generation. I, people may not want to hear that, but I think that's going to be part of it. Um, you know, the money part of it. I mean, that's, there's no question about finding new ways to, to bring in revenue. The naming rights to Georgia State Stadium was a huge part of that. When the naming rights deal gets done, or if one gets done, I'm sure it will, um, for the Convocation Center, that's going to be another huge part of it. I mean, those are seven-figure-a-year deals, and, and that goes a long way. Um, but even as that stuff comes in, the landscape of college athletics is changing dramatically right now. And it's going to be very interesting to see how schools outside of, we'll say, those top 20, 30 schools in the country, how everybody else keeps up with them. Um, as you're seeing more and more of the ability for schools to pay student-athletes, um, and it's just under about $6,000 a year through them meeting certain you know, academic requirements, all this kind of stuff. Um, how is that going to affect Georgia State? And it's not just Georgia State, but plenty of other schools as well. Um, and so it, it, it's we're truly at a crossroads. And, and so all those things are going to add up to more money. And, and you know, the only way to solve a lot of that stuff is more money. Um, but I will say that kind of it almost leads back to the strength of Georgia State has continued to figure out ways to grow that over the years. Um, from the time I started at Georgia State in, in 1998 to now, the budget's increased about seven times over. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be able to do that in the next 20 years per se, but figuring out ways to do that hopefully can then turn those weaknesses into strengths. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a, there's a great support staff in place, um, not just on the athletic side, but on the university side. And, and they're going to continue to figure out ways to, to engage engage all the students and it's and and what i don't think people necessarily realize to not get too far off track is the engagement of students at georgia state isn't just an athletics problem it's a university problem um and you know maybe whether it goes back to when georgia state was more of a commuter school than it is now or just the makeup of the school i don't i, I obviously if i knew what it was i'd probably be the president, next president after President Blake, I guess. But um, that's the biggest challenge that Georgia State faces um, across the board. And there's been a lot of people that have, a lot of people smarter than me that have tried to figure out why and why it is and have yet to figure that out. And maybe until that piece is figured out, that may be the biggest weakness for, for all of us um, in, in getting people to pay attention to Georgia State Athletics and, and Georgia State University as all. Well, Mike, congratulations again on 
a great career. I look forward to running into a Georgia State sporting event, whether it's at the football stadium, the new convocation center, or if it's at Truist Park when the Mets are in town playing the Braves. Well, I really appreciate it, guys. And, and I want to tell you guys while I've got you all here is, um, you know, and Brady, you and I have talked about it. When you guys came to me a few years ago about launching this and, and whether you could, you know, get a seat at a football game in the press box or whatever, um, I, I really wanted to do everything I could to help you guys because I wanted you guys to succeed. And not just because, you know, uh, that you guys have been in the band and, and we're obviously loyal to Georgia State, but because going back to what can become a strength for Georgia State is we need more people like you guys that are invested in the program, not just for the four years that you're at Georgia State, but that you understand down the line and, and really want to get involved and do stuff and report on, on all the good things that good things that are going on at Georgia State. So um, so while I have this platform, thank you to you guys. And um, if, if I was able to be just the smallest of small parts in helping you guys get going, um, I'm glad I was able to do it. Yeah, we thank you. You know, we wish you all the best in your future endeavors. And we do seriously thank you for all the help that you've, you know, allowed us to really kind of blossom this into what it is today. So thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. And as much as the Braves and the Mets can both have success at the same time and not get in the way, like I won't actively rooting against them as much as it's in, it doesn't go against the Braves interests. I don't know if I can say the same back, but I suffered. <laughs> I'm a lot older than you. I suffered through a lot of years of the Braves and, 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 and Larry Jones just absolutely. Yeah, no. just, Larry's oh. not welcome back in the Queens anytime soon. Oh, and I, I was, I, I was glad to see Fred, even though I like Freddie Freeman, I was glad to see him uh, head off to Los Angeles. So we only got to face him maybe six times a year instead of 19 times a year. Well, you'll meet Matt Olson pretty soon. He's doing a pretty yeah. good job now too. <laughs> very true and very fair. I also will say I don't have the best taste of Mets baseball in my mouth because I'm a Cubs fan. And 2015 was like the first time I like really felt like, okay, they might actually be kind of good. So, you know, I, it has worked out for me in the long run here. So, but you know, I do remember it. (laughs) Yeah. For what it's worth, I was six the last time the Mets won the world series. So tells you everything you need to know. So again, huge, huge thank you to Mike Holmes for coming on the show and answering all those questions, giving us a lot of really great insight on his time at Georgia State. Uh, before we get you out of here this week, we did want to talk about baseball because baseball happened. How sweep it wasn't as Georgia State lost all three down in the borough to Georgia Southern to drop out of first place in the Sun Belt. The Panthers lost leads in the Thursday and Saturday games and just never found their way in an 11-1 to loss on Friday. Things ended on a slightly better note when State walked off Kennesaw State 6-5 to on Tuesday night to get some good in-state mojo back and beat the Owls for the first time in seven games. The team holds a 24-13 record on the season and sits in third place in the belt at 10-5. On the slate this week is a three-game set at home against Louisiana over the weekend and a quick trek over to Athens to play Georgia on Tuesday night. So gentlemen, baseball. I, there's a couple schools of thought where, I mean, the first is just you never want to get swept in a series, especially when you held first place in the conference and felt good. You definitely don't want to get swept by your in-state rival, your dreaded rival. And so all of that doesn't feel good. And also, like you said, they had leads in two of the games, and it really felt like especially the Sunday game really got away. They were up nothing and lost a game. Like that is just really hard to take. The other part of it is just that Georgia Southern is good and the ways that they were 
good. Like it, it bared out like they're a veteran team and you saw a lot of grinding about bats, especially against some of Georgia State's better pitchers. And, you know, that's the other part is that you threw out your good pitchers. You know, Mason Patel gave up some runs in the game and he's been one of your reliable guys. On Sunday, they went really early to Ryan Watson, who's been the closer because it, the situation necessitated it. And he got into some trouble and then Cameron Jones relieved him and he got in some more trouble and the lead got away. But I guess you went down with your best guys and sometimes your best guys just don't have it. And so it's frustrating. It's not ideal. It sets back what had been a really good run, but in some ways it was against a good team and you kind of gave it everything you could. It just baseball works that way. Sometimes guys who have been super reliable, like if it's not your day, it's not your day. And especially on the mound, that's going to come back to hurt you against a senior laden team like Georgia Southern. Yeah. I mean, you know, this team was far from perfect and, you know, you still think that they're good, especially now Uh, getting swept hurts, like you mentioned, and, you know, the schedule doesn't necessarily let up, but if this team continues to play like they have been, especially with some of these games at home, they'll still probably be fine and end up, you know, like they're still in ter- like within striking distance of hosting a regional. You know, we might be halfway. That talk might be a little bit premature. I don't, I don't, so, I, being in a regional, I think, would be the, the win. I, don't, I would not put any money down on Georgia State hosting a regional. That's fair. Um, but, you know, the, the trajectory is still looking up and, you know, especially with them coming back after that sweep and, you know, taking care of business against Kennesaw State in, again, hilarious fashion. Um, it, the, the trajectory is still fine. Yeah, I, it's kind of my job doing this stuff not to be lost for words, but I just really didn't know how to describe what exactly happened on that Kennesaw play because very rarely does someone score on a wild pitch from second base. And it almost, it looked like Cameron Jones stopped at third. He kind of went a bit down the line. And I think what happened was the catcher had to go way off into Narnia behind the plate to get it. And I think he overthrew the plate. And at that point, Jones decided, yeah, I'm going to go, go for it. And I think caught them off guard that he decided to try and get that winning run. But it was a nice moment, and like you said, kind of reset everything. And it's been a team that Georgia State struggled to beat. They going back to 2019, Kennesaw had won the last six. They won in Kennesaw earlier this year, and so if you're going to have some way of kind of resetting everything going into, like it, okay, the sweep the sweep happened on the road, but you've still got almost half of your conference games left, and you still got a top three spot to hold on to going into Montgomery, and so you don't want to let that series loss lead into any more games. And so seeing them able to take care of business on Tuesday is encouraging. Um, I guess the the one thing that was controllable that hurt you in the series against Southern and it didn't cost you, but there were some unearned runs in the game against Kennesaw as well, late in the game that let them back into it. Fielding is going to be a bugaboo for a lot of like it. Fielding is very hard. And the thing that you see watching like watching pro baseball, you make it, you can be, uh, you can be tricked into thinking that it's really easy when really what pro players make it look so easy and it's not at all. And so at the college level, you can see some mistakes like that pile up, but it hasn't been something that's cost Georgia State on the win column that much this year. And it kind of did over the weekend. It could have done against Kennesaw on Tuesday. And so if there's one other than just saying pitchers can have outings sometimes, it doesn't go their way. 
fielding stuff is literally the thing that you can control. And it, it led to some Georgia Southern rallies, led to some losses this weekend that didn't necessarily have to be. Yeah, you know, and that's that is kind of the unfortunate nature of the sport. You know, like that's that Saturday game. Obviously, they didn't play on Easter. You know, I was keeping track of that Saturday game and it was, you know, encouraging to see them get up early. But, you know, as the case with, you know, some of the ways that Georgia State has played this year, Southern just kind of chipped away, chipped away and State just kind of never got the momentum back and never was able to, you know, put some more runs on the board. You know, they scored seven in the first four innings. That's great. And then in the last five, they only scored one more run. And, you know, you think, hey, we scored eight runs like we did our job, but sometimes you got to pick up some pitchers, you know? Yeah, I mean, if it was a seven inning game, Georgia State was probably going to just about eke out that last game. But it almost felt like it was going to be they'd win 8-7 and still eke it out anyway in nine innings. And it might have been a thing where it's like if it was an 11-inning game, they'd been in trouble. But Georgia Southern, instead of storing just one or two in an inning, got a big inning in that bottom of the – I think it was the bottom of the seventh when they tied it. And then it took the lead in the eighth. And, yeah, it just kind of got away from them. And, and I think of the weekend, that's the one that's going to stand out as the one that's like really sticks in the craw because you had such that big – such a big lead. and couldn't make it stick and I guess onward and upward because Louisiana doesn't care about what just happened. You know, Louisiana, I think they're lower in the standings than they would like to be. They're nine and six. They're in a three-way tie for that fourth spot behind Georgia state. And they're a proud, proud baseball tradition. I know that they're going to have designs on if things go their way, they could be in the top three. They could be in the top two by the end of this weekend. And so certainly Georgia state's going to have to get ready real quick for that three games set. Uh, and then you know, Georgia on Tuesday, obviously they handled business when the teams played at the uh, Striper stadium earlier this year. And so everyone knows you know, speaking of hosting regionals, Georgia probably is going to be doing that themselves. So that speaks to just how good of a team they are. And so, yeah, like you say, I, there's a stretch coming up maybe into May where the schedule lightens up just a smidge. And that hasn't happened yet. And so Georgia State's still going to kind of keep their nose to the grind and get back on track and get some more conference, some belt positive momentum going after what they were able to do in the first half of the conference season. And finally, this week in Sports Bits, men's tennis has won the Sunbelt Conference title and an automatic bid to the 2022 NCAA tournament. And the selection show for that will happen on Monday, May 2nd at 6 p.m. Eastern on NCAA.com. So congratulations, men's tennis. Women's tennis heads to Peachtree City for the Sunbelt Championship, which runs Thursday through Sunday. Track and field will spend Friday and Saturday at the Georgia Tech Invitational just up the street and also participate in the U of SC Open in Columbia, South Carolina on Saturday as well. Softball heads up to Coastal Carolina to face the Chanticleers in Conway at 4 p.m. Friday, 2 p.m. Saturday, and noon Sunday. All three games will be on ESPN+. They'll also host Kennesaw State at the Bob Heck Softball Complex at 5 p.m. on Wednesday night. Baseball host Louisiana at the GSU Baseball Complex Friday night at 6, Saturday at 4, and Sunday at 1. All three of those games will be on ESPN+. The Bustlot boys will then travel to Athens on Tuesday to face UGA at 6 p.m., and that game will be on SEC Network+. Beach Volleyball also makes a trip to Conway, facing Coastal Carolina at 10 a.m. on Saturday, and Men's Golf heads to El Dorado, Arkansas on Sunday for the Sunbelt Conference Championship, which extends through Wednesday. Well, that's all we've got for you this week on the Thursday Night Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.
See ya.